Welcome to the Life and Faith Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Josh. We're experiencing life and faith every day. And if you're listening, we hope you are too. We're talking about life, the Bible, family, news, all sorts of other stuff, all from the perspective of bi-faith believers. If you enjoy this conversation, like what you hear, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to another episode. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, a subject that's been very near and dear to me, especially over in recent weeks, um, and that's many times I've talked about that's the outflow of these episodes is uh, what God has been putting on my heart. And I want to talk about um, love for others and what that looks like, practically speaking. We're talking about every episode, life and faith. Part of our faith is who do we have faith in? We have faith in God. Um, many times over, we hear the phrase in the Bible, God is love, or at least we see that demonstrated or maybe not overt, uh, maybe not overtly spoken, but it's covertly spoken that God is love. He represents love. And so what does that look like for others? Um, how can we do that? Um, Dan, this word love that we're going to be addressing here, we're going to be addressing it specifically toward others, but when you take a step back even from others and just think about the word love in general, what do you think about our English iteration as far as this point in time? What do you think about when you think about the word love? Well, I guess I would say that it has kind of different connotations, like you love uh, a good dessert, Mm. you love your family, you love a song, those are different, Yep. you know. Yeah, how many times have I said the phrase, man, I love peanut butter? Uh, well, that's obviously the, that trumps all the other types of love, I think. Yeah, <laughs> love for peanut butter. We need a new, a new definition. Oh my for... goodness, we got to have a whole other podcast about that one. <laughs> hey, I'm up for it. So listen, when I, <clears throat> my family is uh, historically addicted uh, to peanut butter. I have an aunt who has passed away recently, but... She used to hide peanut butter and a spoon underneath her bed, because that's what we do in this family. Oh, God bless her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, peanut, I mean, that's a staple snack in my home. You know, I have I have uh, five children ranging from, I have a seven-year-old who's almost eight, all the way down to uh, a five-month-old. And obviously, the five-month-old is not there yet, but I'm sure... Time's wasting. <laughs> I'm sure it's just around the corner for her as well, but... They've all inherited this love for peanut butter. But yeah, that's a, that's a classic example of as much as I love peanut butter, I might be stretching that word a little bit because <laughs> it should not match you know, the same love that we have for people or for God, right? Uh, thankfully, in the original language that the Bible was written, there were multiple words for love. Um, there wasn't just one word. Uh, and... So what we find today is that word love is being used for all sorts of things, um, and it's hard to it's hard to find the meaning in that word anymore. So we're going to really try to unpack that. Um, before I get started, this isn't necessarily based off of this book that I'm about to tell you about, but it was something that I've read in the past, and I found some good quotes from 
from it because it has a lot to speak. So separate from this, I'm going to cover things that are not in this book, but uh, it's also something I would recommend you read, if, especially if you enjoy C.S. Lewis's other works. Um, he writes a book called The Four Loves, and he really talks about um, the four different, really in that original Greek, like I was talking about, the different representations of our love. And really, in today's world, you could probably break up each one of those four segments into many other subcategories of love, uh, because it's it's a complex word, right? There's, there's a lot. There's a lot there. So, the way that uh, Lewis breaks these down are: there's uh, love that is affection, affectionate love. There's friendship love. Uh, that's more or less what we're majoring on today, just for the record, but um, not not exactly either. Um, there's eros love, and then there's uh, charity. Um, if you've uh, spent time in church, you've probably heard people refer to it as that original Greek word agape or agape, uh, whatever you pronounce it uh, or choose to pronounce it. That's that's kind of that's what we uh, often hear referred to as selfless love. So there's lots to be said about each one of these kinds. I'm not going to unpack all of the, unpack all of these today, um, but it might be a worthwhile pursuit to unpack each one of these at some point, maybe in a, a later episode. So um, I like to start off with saying there is a uh, quote from a poem that William Morris wrote, and there's a line from it that says. Love is enough. And someone is said to have reviewed it briefly in the words, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that was their only review. But um, you can, I I get where someone like William is coming from there with what he said, like love is enough. And especially if you are not at the point where you're a by faith believer, like we talk about so often on this podcast, um, I could see where that would ring true for you, maybe. Uh, but if you really think about it, there's so much to love, and you can't really know true love without knowing God. Spoiler alert, you know, not to get too far ahead of this episode, um, God, if God is love, if he's love personified, if you will, if, if that is who he is, then we need to know God to know what true love is. And there's lots of manifestations of love, there's also love that's not true. So how do we decipher between all of these things? Um, I want to say this, as far as it may have been very blunt and to the point when that person said, no, it isn't, love is not enough, um, to, to, I think, flesh out what that criticism is really saying is that the natural loves are not self-sufficient. The natural loves that we may have that just come naturally um, you can develop sort of a imitation of love or what we've seen represented by other people in our life. But the only way you truly experience love is by really grasping who God is and the love that he has for us. That's when we can experience true love and really demonstrate true love. So all that to say, um, there's, there's a lot to be said. I just talked about Lewis's book about the four loves, uh, Speaking to something that's maybe a lot more mainstream, if you will, in this day and age, I hear a lot of conversation that people have about something called uh, the five love languages. Have you ever heard of this concept, Dan? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So there's, um, I won't go into it. This is obviously not the main focal point of uh, what we're getting at here today, but 
um, the five love languages, just to say that is expressions of love, how you express love. It is both maybe the language that you most like to receive or maybe the language you most like to give. Sometimes it's the same. You like to give the same that you like to receive. That's probably more common. But there can be some people who are like, I prefer this because maybe I didn't get a lot of this growing up or maybe I don't get a lot of it in this current place and time. But here's what I'm naturally most inclined to give. So rather than focusing on it in a selfish way of what is my love language, we should focus on am I doing a good job of each of these, speaking love in all these different types of ways. So there's acts of service. I think we've covered even that idea of that on previous episodes. Um, there's receiving gifts. Obviously, if you're giving this love language, it's giving gifts. Um, there's quality time. I've heard people put it this way in marriage. A lot of guys enjoy quality time, and that is shoulder to shoulder. Uh, the wife is with me on the couch. Maybe I'm watching football game, or I'm we're watching a show, or we're we're doing whatever, whatever you like to do. Maybe it's something she likes to do. You can have that shoulder to shoulder time watching something that she enjoys watching. Um, Ugh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, if you, if if tea and crumpets is involved in what you're watching, that that guy is trying to speak love to you because he's he's getting through it. <laughs> he's suffering through it. Quality time, especially in a marriage, you know, that's uh, uh, it's a give and take. Um, then there's uh, words of affirmation, uh, language used use to uh, affirm other people, right? Encouraging words, all those kinds of things. Um, and there's physical touch. Uh, and one thing to think about when it's all five of these love languages, we often think, and I would say the original book that was written by uh, Gary Chapman here, um, he he originally meant it probably for couples, but honestly, it it's everybody. Like your neighbor, your your kids, they all have love languages that we all have that need. It's it's a God need that we all have. Like that's what ultimately should lead us to God and all these things, and really lead us, draw us to each other, bearing one another's burdens, kind of like we talked about um we talked about in this uh one of these episodes that we recorded here already today about um sometimes you just get so burdened down with so many things that you put on your shoulders trying maybe burdening yourself with things you don't even need to but that's another reason why we need to bear one another's burdens uh and and really it could be bearing their burden and act of service giving them a gift, helping them through it, quality time, hearing them out, uh, words of affirmation, affirming them, keep going, you got this. Um, sometimes words of affirmation isn't just left at that. It's like, hey, have you considered this? Maybe you're not going in the right direction, but just doing it in a loving way. So there's all these things. And that's pretty much where, you know, before this becomes an episode on the on the love languages, that's where I intended to end it at. But I wanted to at least cover that because it will help put in perspective of, uh, what we're talking about here. So, specifically, I did want to start out in Second uh, Peter and just read from the Bible because I feel like this sets up the stage really well for for this. And you'll see where I'm going. We're going to specifically. Uh, Lewis called it friendship. I'm going to call it brotherly kindness because that's the context the Bible's about to talk about it here in Second Peter, um, and it's going to use that Greek word uh, which is Philadelphia. So our listeners, especially if you're here in the States, in America, 
Uh, I know that we do have some listeners that are in other countries, um, but maybe you've at least heard of Philadelphia, even if you don't live in the United States, because it's pretty popular. Uh, it's a historical town for America. And what is that town's motto or kind of the slogan there? It's brotherly love. Now, if you go down to Philadelphia today, I don't know if that would actually be what you would see there. <laughs> Not throwing it... I've, if there's any listeners in Philadelphia, I apologize. All I'm saying is that you may have brotherly love, but I think by and large, and and let's let's be more realistic. Probably most towns, it's not like that anymore. Right. But that was the idea back when it was founded. Like this is this the city of brotherly love. So, talking about brotherly kindness here, um, it was originally used in the Greek language for blood relatives. All it was ever used at that point in time, that point in time when Jesus walked the earth. If you said Philadelphia, that's the root word, but any any varying version of it, it was only referred to blood relatives. But what we see here in the epistles, uh, especially ones that Paul wrote or the ones that Peter wrote to the church they started to use this term for the first time towards people in the church. It was no longer, it, it expanded its use, kind of like what we were talking about in the beginning, how love really got, like in the English language, that's for everything, right? Your favorite food, whatever, um, your favorite show. Uh, but so that was the first time really in that day and age where it expanded its meaning towards not just blood relatives, but people that were in the family of God, the, the church, people who are a part of the church, um, fellow Christians, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, if you will. So uh, it was adopted there. And so with that in mind, I'm going to read this section here, Second Peter for, uh, verse, it's chapter 1 and verse 1 through 10. Uh, let's see here. Okay, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, so again, setting that stage there for those who are in the faith, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And already in those first four verses, um, there's a lot there, right? It, we have precious promises, and there, there are things that we need to do as brothers and sisters in Christ. There's an attitude we need to have towards each other that, frankly, is really tough to have. So I'll, I'll be the first to say that, but um, it's it's an attitude we need to develop nonetheless, and it's going to go in here and explain in the next. Uh, let's see, we have six more verses here that it's going to explain how do we accomplish that. Verse five says, "And besides, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance." And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And again, that's where we're majoring on today. But understand too, even after this, the final building block, 
as it will go on to say in verse 7, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Uh, many of you in your Bible, it probably says love there, but charity specifically is speaking towards what kind of love it was talking about. Remember in the beginning of the episode, we talked about the various kinds of love. Charity means that last form of love that we talked about, which is the the uh, God-derived love that we learn about and that God models for us and that we can pick up if we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, so you say, I want to have that ultimate expression of love, and, and we all should. If we're by-faith believers, that should be our end goal. But understand, to get there, you don't, you don't start there, right? Um, I will say this, too, by way of introduction. We do get the beginning glimpse of this form of love that is selfless love when we reach the point of salvation. That's when really that journey begins. So you've got the inklings there, but how you develop it is what Peter is describing here. There's these building blocks. You build one upon the other. And again, we're you could even, we talked about the four loves, we talked about the five love languages, and now there's, uh, I actually don't know how many of these there are. I think there's seven or eight of them here. You could probably make an episode about each one of these individually because they're all important. Um but understand this, they, it is a building block, and I want to I try to describe that today and really talk about this idea of brotherly kindness. Um, to understand what the Bible is talking about with this kindness, this brotherly love, some of the best ways we can have context is to see where else in the Bible does it have mention of brotherly kindness, brotherly love. Uh, Romans 12.10 is one. It says, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. Continue in it. Don't, don't let it die out. Um, 1 Peter 1.22 says, seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto the unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And the last one here that we have an example of is 1 Thessalonians 4, 9. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So this sense of the word, Philadelphia, that can be defined as a God-engendered affection for and service to those in the household of faith. And you can say, well, Josh, what about uh, the lost? Shouldn't we love the lost? Yeah, absolutely. We, that is the great commission, right? We are to do that and we are to love people. We are to love all people, yes. But one of the things we were talking about earlier today in, in another recording, our testimony before others. One of the ways that we testify before the Lord that we are a different kind of people. We are a set apart people. He has transformed us into something that we aren't naturally disposed to be is when we have a love for each other as, as, as the church. Um, who wants to uh, picture, if you will, and maybe some of our listeners are in this situation, So, uh, but, but even if you are saying, I'm a by-faith believer already, Josh, well, picture yourself from the perspective of the lost. If they're thinking, okay, so I do this Christian thing, I... I 
accept that Jesus is real, accept that he did all these things, I become a Christian. Well, then I see all these Christians going to church, um, so that's probably going to be a part of my life. But I look at the church, and I just see everybody at, at each other's throats. Like, uh, And understand, too, the lost person doesn't see what that person did to you that one time at the potluck. <laughs> that person doesn't see, well, they've had a history of doing it. They don't see all the who started what or why you're acting the way that you're acting in response to that person. They just see, man, these people are not getting along. Um, they're they're jumping ship. They're they're getting out of there. Like some people aren't even going to church anymore. Why would I want to enter into that world of the church, the family of God, when all those are like those siblings of a '90s sitcom? You know, I, <laughs> those are probably that's probably easy to pick on. But we, man, if you were a kid growing up in the '90s. If you wanted to know, if your parents were trying to teach you to be kind to your siblings, you basically had to eliminate all TV because that was just, that's a staple. But understand, Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters, that we we can't, just because it's like that on TV, or or maybe it was even, maybe even say, I'm listening to this podcast and that's the way it was for me growing up in my home. I was all, my brother and sister, we were always fighting with each other. Okay, but that wasn't the way it was designed to be. Your, your home is designed to be a peaceful place. That's God's intention for it. And uh, not to say that you don't ever fight, right? But it should not be characteristic of a home. It certainly should not be characteristic, and that's really the crux of this episode, is it shouldn't be characteristic in the church. Um, I've got lots of, of uh, personal stories, too, where I've had run-ins with people in churches, but uh, Dan, have you experienced this? I'm not asking necessarily for you to give a, a personal example, yeah. but yeah, bare knuckle fights. No, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I talked about it in this uh, in this podcast. You know, we had we had home church, and there was a physical altercation outside of it. You know, yeah. um, yeah. I think the another thing that works against that is perpetuating the idea that it doesn't happen. Yes, right. Yep. To live as if it's like. Well, we are church-going folk, and we do. You know what I mean? We yes. are uh, maybe not perfect. The but facade, we're pretty. We're pretty close. The facade know? can only last so long. Yeah, because yeah. people in groups, you know, you're just not gonna. You're just gonna get. We're we're not in a. We're not in perfection here. Where we are in a hospital, full of sick people. Yes. Trying made better by the blood and by power. Yep. Not by their actions, and we're we're all in different spots in our in our walk, and different you know sort of. For some people, they're still struggling with certain things, and they're newer Christians, and maybe they're Christians who've been Christians a long time, but never really understood what it meant, or you know what I mean. You just you don't really know what somebody's going through that day or that at that yeah. time, and we you know so we we work against ourselves by perpetuating the idea that we are going to behave. Yeah. You know, and I say it I say it a lot, but like but dealing with people is the sacrifice that, you know, we sometimes make. You know, like when we volunteer in church or when we become part of staff or we become um somebody that other people rely on for any reason, we tend to bump into people who are crusty or you know, yeah. people that are difficult to get along with, you know, and, and so that's where the love comes in is 
excuse me, you you uh, look favorably upon someone who doesn't earn it. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. and is imperfect in their own way, and that's where that kind of comes in because you say, okay, I see you as, you know, God God sent his son to die for for all, but not all acknowledge him. Yeah. Right? The ones that do, he's, he acknowledges them even though they are imperfect. Yeah. And so in that model is a picture for loving your neighbor, which is saying, in spite of the fact that you have this hang up, or maybe you're the kind of person who stirs it up, or you're the kind of person who um, is prideful even in, in, a, in a church setting or whatever, you're difficult to get along with, we're still going to love you and we're still going to, you know what I mean? We're going to make sacrifices yep. to meet your needs and things like that in spite of it not really being earned. Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes as church leaders or just in, even just lay people in the church, there could be a tendency of like, this person's a problem and we need to drive them out. Because <laughs> What would this church look like if that person wasn't here? Yeah, like this is... <laughs> and, and I'm not saying there's no place for that because there's sometimes there's genuine wolves. But you got to understand... If there's a person that I think like Dan was just describing where they're prickly, uh, they're they're rubbing people the wrong way, they're hurting, always remember when you run into people who are like, for lack of better words, like a bull in a china closet, uh, they're just rampaging it seems. If they're going around hurting people and there's people hurting in their wake, that person themselves is probably a person experiencing and have, has gone through a lot of hurt. Mm-hmm. So looking past the offense and looking at the person and seeing where it is, like we don't, we don't, don't get me wrong. We don't do that process to excuse what they're doing and, and to leave them there. Um, you want to be able to come alongside them and help them. But, but ultimately even just sitting down and praying for that person. Mm-hmm. And no, that doesn't mean on Wednesday nights or whatever you go get in a group and say, we just need to pray for so-and-so <laughs> because let me tell you. Let you me know, tell you what he did. You know, we're not talking about gossip. We mean like, uh, you know, real earnest prayer for people. If somebody's uh, really getting under your skin, especially if it's a fellow believer, make it a matter of prayer. Um, you, you'd be amazed at how quickly your mindset gets transformed uh, when you go to the throne of God and petition them before him uh, and say, I don't know what's going on in their life exactly. Maybe you have some of them an idea, maybe you have no idea what's going on, but say, Lord, you know what's going on. I pray whatever is going on in their life, you would help them. Um, And you'd be surprised in that journey of asking God to help them, how many times God uses you at some point to be the person to help them, that God uses you. So never underestimate the, the power of prayer in those things that's that can really be fundamental you've been listening to the life and faith podcast we hope you enjoyed it stay up to date on all our episodes like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts